in motion can end up with big results. Today we begin a series called Habits, Small Changes, Big Results. I want you to start with me in Zechariah chapter 4. There's a great chapter here that talks exactly about what we're talking about. In Zechariah chapter 4, God warns his people not to despise small beginnings. You need to understand the historical context. Uh, The temple has been destroyed. God's people have been taken into exile. Zerubbabel has been brought back, and they're beginning to rebuild. Finally, after he's been there for about 18 years, God says, I want you to begin rebuilding the temple. And he starts, and he's laid a few foundation stones. If you get to Zechariah chapter 3, the people are weeping. Now, there's two ideas about why they're weeping. Idea number one is they're weeping because they remember the great temple. Idea number two is they're weeping because the beginning looks so pitiful. It looks so small. And that's what Zechariah is dealing with in chapter 4. Look at verse 6. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord said to Zerubbabel, is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of the heavenly armies. Uh, What he reminds the people here is that behind what looks so pitiful and so small is Holy Spirit power. The same power we find out in Romans that resurrected Jesus from the dead. And then in verse 7, nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone on the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. What's he saying? Though this may look small to you right now, no force can stop the power of God. And then verse 8, another message came for, to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of his temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know the Lord of heavenly armies has sent me. And then look at the final sentence here. Do not despise the small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. What's he saying? Small things lead to big results. For Zerubbabel and for the people of God who are weeping because the temple looks so pitiful at this point, he's saying it's one small stone that leads to something big. If you're looking for exercise, it's the first workout. If you're wanting to read more, it's the first reading. If you're wanting to encourage more, it's the first compliment. It's the first dessert that you skip. It's the first, as Doug was saying, when you take these small little emblems that look so pitiful and yet have such big impact on our lives. So we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks, how small things lead to big things. I read a book just a couple months ago called Atomic Habit. It's not really a spiritual book. It's by a man named James Clear who's talking about the power of habit in our lives. And so I want to share with you a few quotes as we look forward to talking about a biblical habit, a small biblical habit that can make a big difference in your life. Let me give you this first quote. All big things come from small beginnings. It's an atomic habit. We've been made all too aware this week 
as the Russian armies have come close to that nuclear plant, what can happen with atomic power? If that plant had been hit, it would have been a disaster that would have wiped out a lot of the world. And on the other side, an atomic habit on the good side can be something small that ends up accomplishing something really big. And all big things come from small beginnings. You see, so often when we see someone accomplish something big, what we see is the highlight reel, okay? I I see after you've built the business and it's really successful. I I see after you've, you've won the championship, I'm not seeing all the work behind it. I see the highlight reel. And often I see the highlight reel, I think, that's who I want to be. That's what I want to do. But what I'm not seeing is before the highlight reel, there were some very, very small beginnings. We watched the Olympics a few weeks ago. We we, we see the Olympic athlete win that gold medal and we, we applaud. And yet we don't see what happened in years and years, maybe decades before. We see the spiritual giant among us. And we think, wow, I want to be like that, but it seems so distant, but it's not as distant as we think, because if we look back at that person's life, we'd see it was small habits. Most of us in this church, if not all of us, adore our brother Al Milligan. And we see him later in his life as this spiritual giant who impacts us all. But we, what we don't see when we see that is that for 50 years, Al has read his Bible every day, with the exception of one. What a heathen, okay? For 50 days, he's read his Bible, 50 years, every day except one. And so we come, we see this spiritual man who touches us, who loves us the way very few people can, and we don't understand what's behind that. Small beginnings, or the beginning of big, big things. Last week, we celebrated a small beginning of a group of people huddled huddled on a few rolls in the front of the rotunda, starting a brand new church in a small beginning 50 years ago. And today, we see what that can result in. Here, let me give you another quotation. Too often, we convince ourselves that massive success requires massive action. Well, this is a real temptation for us. You know, if I really want my life to change, then it's going to take this incredibly big decision and big action. You know, if I want to build a house, I see just this incredible mammoth task. If I want to write a book, I see something that's overwhelming. If I want to win a championship, it seems so big. I don't know if the Connell family's with us today, but if you've been uh, watching the news or reading the paper, you see that... uh, Prideful Christian Academy and their girls' basketball won a state championship. And one of our own, Ella Jane Cannell, scored 39 points in that championship game. Would you give her a hand? And if I'm not careful, you know, I, I see that and I say, I, I want to, you know, I don't want to win a girls' championship, but I want to win something big, Right? But what you don't see is all the moments in the gym where she's shooting and shooting and shooting and how young in her life that that began. Because you see, that result is not something that happened last week or even this week. The result started years ago with small things. 
And so often we put this inordinate pressure on ourselves to be something that we see down the road when what we really need to say is, don't start there. Just start with one small step. Now look at this quotation. A small change in daily habits can guide your life to a very different destination. Write that down. A small change in daily habits can guide your life to a very different destination. The change starts small. It starts way back here. The destination's down the road. You see, what Satan would like to do is convince you, if you can't have the whole shebang right now, what's the use of trying? Or you do try to be this person, and it's so far from who you are that you just give up. Instead of saying, you know what, it's going to start with just a small change, a small different direction in my daily habits. Look at this picture of this airplane up here. This airplane is flying from L.A. to New York City. But if we were to take the nose of that airplane in Los Angeles and simply move it three and a half percentage... By the time it got across country, you wouldn't be landing in New York City. You would be landing 800 miles south in Washington, D.C. It was just a small correction in course that led to a very different result. And that's what you and I have to see. It doesn't take this big outlandish action. It simply takes a small redirection to lead me to a different destination. So my friends, here's what I want you to get today. So simply, this is such good news because often in so many areas of our life, we won't change. We want to be different, especially in our spiritual life. And we think that is completely unattainable because we only see that highlight reel when we don't see. Just start with that little different direction. Let me show you this graph up here. may not make a lot of sense to you. You may not even be able to read it. So don't worry about it. It's called the plateau of latent potential. And it shows a one-line results and one-line time. Now, when we think about change, what we want to think is change starts down here. It's just a straight line up here. The truth is, at first, that small little change doesn't do much at all. And we call that the valley of discouragement or disappointment. I stay off sweets for a week, and I see no results. I go to the gym four out of seven days, and I see no results. And so because it starts so small and is almost unnoticeable, I give up right here at the beginning, not understanding. You see the line that goes straight up? After a while, the potential of those skipping the sweets doing the workouts, eventually come and explode on the horizon. I've got a lot of bamboo in my, my, my yard, and what I understand is bamboo is almost impossible to destroy. But for the first five years, bamboo grows, you cannot see it. It's all underground, and then it explodes to something that's almost irremovable. And what I want you to see about change is that so many of us stop in that valley of disappointment because we make the small change, we don't see the immediate results. We expected it to go a little bit faster right here. The truth is this can go a little bit slow here. 
but it's going to go faster in the long run than you ever dreamed. Because the good habits begin to make a difference over time. Think about this. Good habits make time your ally. You know, anybody who invests, you understand that in investment. It's not that you have to invest a large amount. It's that you invest a small amount over a long period of time, and time becomes your ally. That's why you're trying to get ready for retirement. The earlier, the better, right? Because time becomes your ally. If you're trying to work out over time, it may not look like much after a week, but consistently in time, it becomes your ally. Now, the other is true also. Bad habits make time your enemy. You know, if, if you smoke a few cigarettes and that's all you've ever smoked, you're probably going to be okay. But if you begin to, to smoke a pack a day over a long period of time, time is your enemy. So that's the power of habits. Good habits make time your ally. I, I like this quotation. The chain of habits are too weak to be felt until they are too strong to be broken. Did you hear that? The chain of habits, where you begin, is almost too weak to be felt until they're finally too strong to be broken. Again, that cuts both ways. You know, you know when, when you continue to overeat and overeat and overeat, at first you don't feel anything, you don't, you don't think anything, you don't even see anything. But in the long run, it leads you to the point where it's almost a habit you can't break. You, you start smoking a few cigarettes, and yet you stay on it long enough. At first, you don't even notice the difference it's making in your health. But in the long run, it comes to a point where it, it may be what we call an addiction today that's really hard to break. And that's the negative side, but that's not what we're talking about in this series. We're talking about the positive side, is that at first, when you, you start reading your Bible, you recognize if you read your Bibles 15 minutes a day, you'd finish the Bible in a year, just 15 minutes a day. You, you start with something really, really small, and it multiplies until there will come a point where that's just a part of who you are. You don't have to, like at the beginning, you have to force yourself, get yourself up early, set the alarm. But eventually, you're, you're way over here where it's something you do every day. A good habit of exercise or eating. At first, the results don't seem too, too large. But as you stick with it, eventually you'll get to a point where it's something you just crave to do. So today we're going to look at a biblical habit, and we're going to look at a, a very specific application. Here's the biblical habit. The biblical habit is fasting, okay? We don't talk about fasting much, and that's a big mistake because the Bible talks about it an awful lot. Uh, we're going to look at a passage in Matthew chapter 6 this morning where Jesus mentions fasting. Now, once you get the context, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and, and Jesus is dealing with three different habits, three different things that we do, and he is... um. He talks about, first of all, he talks about giving, he talks about prayer, then he talks about fasting. And every time he mentions one of these subjects, he says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. It's his assumption that we do these things. What he's trying to guard against is people doing this, not for the glory of God, but for their own glory. Look at verse 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled. So people admire them for fasting. In other words, you ever seen someone fasting? 
And you say, well, what's, what's, they look so sad, so pitiful, so disheveled. And you go, what's going on? And they go, oh, I'm fasting. You know, I'm, I'm a spiritual giant. I'm fasting. Jesus said, I don't want that. Don't do that. Look, look, look normal, okay? Just do the practice before God. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus says there's a reward to giving, there's a reward to prayer, there's a reward to fasting. And we know the early church practiced this. Acts chapter 13, chapter 13, the early church is trying to decide on missionaries to send out. It's the church in Antioch. They gather the whole church. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So the church even has a, a church-wide fast to decide on who they're going to send as their missionaries. It's a beautiful thing. So what is, what is fasting? In the most basic terms, it's giving up food to focus on prayer. In a little broader term, we might say it's giving up something you want for something you want more. Now, let's just say a few things here because this is something we don't talk about much. And if we'd, most of us would be honest, including myself, we don't practice much. Because we think fasting is sort of weird, right? I can remember the first time I was a part of a, a fast in, when I was a campus minister in Tuscaloosa. And we called this fast and the student came to me immediately and was all upset and said, this just sounds so cultic. And yes, it does. It, it just sounds cultic. But if you look through the scripture, it's, there's nothing weird about it. I mean, guys, you know, we, we, we talk in our movement a lot about baptism, rightly so. There are 75 scriptures in the Bible about baptism. There are 77 about fasting. Fa- fasting was, was something that was, was, that was something expected. It, it got, it actually in our day has gotten a bad rap. Now, you need to, to see this. Fasting is expected. I mean, that, that's why it's so significant, as we read Matthew 6, I hope you picked up on this. Jesus did not say, if you fast. He said, when you fast. I'm not telling you today that you'll miss out on heaven if you don't fast. I am telling you today, you will miss out and I will miss out on some of the greatest blessings of God. Because here's another thing to think about when it's fasting. Fasting is done for a purpose. Now listen to me. Fasting is related all through Scripture with prayer. There there seems to be some divine connection between people who pray and who fast. So let's put it this way. Fasting without prayer is just hunger. Fasting with prayer leads to holiness. Something powerful about the practice. What does it do? In your hunger pains, instead of being driven to food, you're driven to God. You control your fleshly appetite to feed your spiritual self. Now, you've got to have a purpose. Again, don't don't hear what I'm saying today and say, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to not eat on Tuesdays or something. That'd be nice. 
but without a spiritual purpose behind it, it's not powerful. I mean, you can read your Bible, just go and look up fasting in Scripture. There are all kinds of purposes. When you're seeking guidance, you got a major decision to make. When you need to be humble before God, you need to be called to repentance. When God's people are looking for revival among them, when you need a period of self-examination and of worship, when you're going through grief, when you're needing deliverance from a sin, all of those are biblical purposes of fasting. So fasting is something that's done with a purpose. Now here's, here's what I think may really help us today. This is what I need. Fasting is an answer to our time excuse. You see, so many good things come up that we know we ought to do, we want to do, we should do, and my easy excuse is what? I don't have enough what? Time. I mean, if, you know, if you're in one of our life groups and you get to that, that point, why aren't you where you ought to be spiritually? Why aren't you growing the way you should? I mean, you know, the, the, the number one answer at this point in history is uh, I'm just too busy. I don't have enough time. That's what I love about this idea of fasting. Because the time you save, let's say you're fasting food, which is the general belief in teaching on fasting. Let's say you decide to skip, skip lunch once a week. The idea there is not that you just skip lunch, but that you take that hour you would have been eating lunch and you devote it to seeking God, to Bible studying, prayer, and self-examination. Or, or maybe even better, you're, you're skipping dinner, meal at home, and Man, the time that you usually use in preparation and cooking and cleaning up gives you the time to use for God. You see, we all talk about not having enough time because fasting is an incredible answer to that. It takes away that excuse. So this morning, in lieu of our message series, I really do want to keep this really, really simple. So I want to give you a specific application, okay? And, and, and don't freak out on me. Um, the specific application is Lent, all right? You say, well, Lent, that's, uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't practice Lent. Well, let me say this. Lent is a Christian tradition that's been practiced for hundreds of years. It's not associated with one denomination or one church. It's just a tradition. In, at Landmark, we talk a lot about traditions. And we try to make it really clear that traditions are not right or wrong. They're just traditions. It's a certain way of doing things. And one centuries-long tradition among Christians is to give this 40 days. See, here's the, the definition. It's the season of 40 days of fasting and repentance in preparation for Easter. This Christian tradition is something that helps me get myself focused. The word Lent comes from an old English word, which means springtime, okay? It's a, it's a springtime exercise of clearing my heart and preparing myself for Easter. Now, let me, let me say this. If, if you were to start tomorrow, and that's my challenge, we, we've already missed Ash Wednesday, okay? So we're not going by the tradition completely. You didn't even know about Ash Wednesday, did you? You look really blank-faced. Okay, you didn't know about Ash Wednesday. That's all right. I didn't either. All right. So if you start this fast tomorrow and you do this for 40 days, you'll complete it on Good Friday. Okay? So it'll be an incredible preparation. Let me, let me say some things rather quickly. All right? Let me look at a passage, I think, that gives us a spirit. Uh, Joel chapter 2. 
if you would. Look at Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 14 with me. I think this gives us the spirit of what we're talking about. This is what the Lord says. Turn to me now while there's time. Give your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he's merciful and compassionate. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and to not punish. Who knows? Perhaps he will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of a curse. Perhaps you'll be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. What she's saying is this is a time of cleaning things out, of humbling yourself before God. So let me, let me sort of focus this. What, what is fasting? Uh, what is Lent? It can be giving up a vice, a habit, even a pleasure, okay? It can be good stuff. could be giving up that vice that you have in your life. To focus on self-examination, Scripture, and prayer. One writer for the New York Times, one of my favorite, a guy named Arthur Brooks, writes that in our culture where we're so full of food and things and materialism that Lent is actually an act of rebellion. We're rebelling against the common culture and the way we live. So here, here's what we're, we're challenging to do. Think of a vice, a habit, a pleasure that you're willing to give up. And right now I'm telling you because our idea here is start small, this, this can be something very small. But the time you save or the energy you save in that, you give to self-examination, to spending time in Scripture, and spending time in prayer. Now, let me just tell you this. When you walk out of here today, you're going to receive uh, a list at the door, and really hope you pick this up, of 30 ideas of what to give up for Lent. So if you're having a hard time, these are 30 simple ideas. Some of them are vices. Here's some of them listed, gossiping, complaining, pornography, sleeping in, speeding. Parents, you're going to love this one. Disobeying parents, <laughs> worrying. Some of them just something, something you've been wanting to get rid of in your life for a long time that you know is really not good. You're going to commit to 40 days, starting to make a habit. Now, some of it's good stuff, eating out, 30 minutes of TV, Social media, video games, watching the news. I love this one. Wouldn't you love if everybody gave up selfies? Makeup. No, I don't like that one. <laughs> Pizza. I mean, again, there, there are 30 different ideas here of simple things that you could give up. Now, let me just tell you what I'm going to do. And I, I really struggled with this because I knew I was preaching on this a few weeks ago. And I told myself because... I love to watch the news. I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama. Number one TV station is Channel what? 12. Okay, you guys must not have grown up around here. Channel what? 12. Okay, so I've watched NBC Nightly News my whole life. I've watched it everywhere we lived. I, I, I record it every night because I hardly get home at 5.30, okay? So I, I, I just, it's, again, I know most of you think it's slanted and all that. probably is, but it's just my habit. I love it, honestly, just sort of the way I, every day, every, every day my whole life. I'm going to give up NBC Nightly News. Now, I first told me, myself I was going to do it because I knew all the news is so negative right now. It's a really good thing for me to give up. But then this week, I've been doubting my decision because I want to keep up with this Ukrainian deal. 
because uh, this, is, this is huge. But it's to show you my spirit of sacrifice, all right? I'm going to give that up. In those 30 minutes, every night, it's going to be an extra 30 minutes for me to vote to self-examination, to prayer and Scripture. So what I want you to do, and you have to decide right here on the spot, but I want you to think about what you're going to give up and what you're going to do with that time. You know, to succeed in this, let me give these real quick. We'll go on these further. To succeed in making anything a habit, there's three keys. You've got to make it obvious, you've got to make it easy, and you've got to make it attractive. All right? If you're trying to change habits, make it real obvious. Mine's pretty obvious. I do this every day, same time, stop it. Make it easy. It should be pretty easy. And make it attractive. How much better will I be mentally when I've not filled myself with all the negative things going on in the world and all the craziness in our politics today to finally just settle down and spend time with God? So it, it's attractive. Let me give you one more quotation here. The quality of our lives depends on the quality of our habits. You see, we want to think it's a really big deal. It's not. The quality of your life, the quality of your walk with Jesus, the quality of your joy, I could go on, the quality of your family, the quality of your relationships depends on the quality of your habits. And guys, listen to me. This is really good news because this means we can change our destination with just a small change, just a three-degree change will change where we're headed. And so as we close today, I'm challenging you and me to make a small change for the next 40 days. And I love what God says through Zechariah. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. You see, you, you might be tempted as they were. They looked at the temple coming up and they thought, that's a joke, man. That didn't even compare to what we want to get to. I mean, they're weeping because it's not what they expected yet. And, and you may today say, you know, buddy, come on now. I'm just a, a little bit of change. You really think that can make a big difference? Absolutely. And God says, don't you despise it. Don't you look down upon it. And my friends, for many of us who struggle to change, who seem to just do the same thing over and over and over again, this is some of the best news you've ever heard. Small changes over time lead to big results. And right now, we have an opportunity in these next couple moments, you know, something that looks rather insignificant, being dunked in a pool of water is actually a major event in your life. It's a marker, it's a turning point. It's a place where you put your faith in what Jesus has done for you and he changes you, begins to change you from the inside out through the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. May look really small. Some people may despise. Say, you really, as an adult person in 2022, you're going to get dunked in some water and think that doesn't? Yes. Or maybe you think, you know, I really need the prayers of the church. I'm really struggling. Things aren't going really well in my life. But that looks so small and insignificant. No, no, no. I can tell you many lives, entire directions have been changed on this front row. So as we sing together and you decide what you might need to do here, as the wise man's do not despise the day of small beginnings. Just a little change of trajectory will make an incredible difference in the long run.
So if you need to meet me here on this front row, why don't you come right now while we stand and sing.